and welcome to the Gold Rock Podcast. I'm Ben. As always, I'm joined by fellow Pokemon enthusiast Connor to bring you some of the latest and greatest Pokemon news and feel offs along the way. This week, we're doing Game Freak's job for them for free as we bring you our thoughts on how we would have designed the TL mask. And in our usual Devil's Advocate section, we'll be arguing whether the next Pokemon game should be 2D. As always, you can jump to a topic using the timestamps in the description below and before before i ask you how you are connie i i want to i want to play a little game with you how many spotify ratings do you think we've had is it still zero no it's 10 it's 10 we've had 10 okay we we've had 10 and we've got a rating of 4.8 which i I stumbled upon earlier on i was like proper chuffed with that i'll take it i'll take take it as well i mean one of them is mine uh, which is the four star one which means everybody else rated us as five stars so we're fine. five star exactly yeah i didn't, I didn't want to start off too high because then they'd be like hold oh, on this uh, this looks a bit sus nah, so i started at one and then slowly each week i put it up <laughs> to two then three then four because then it looks legitimate it's like oh they, they've, they've engaged this person he, he keeps coming back and improving and he's, he's, his score just like we keep improving the podcast right naturally naturally how so, that works I, I do want to plug, like, if you haven't already, please do consider, uh, you know, rating goes on whatever the platform you use to uh, listen to this podcast. And of course, if you're on YouTube, leave a like. This week, shall we kick it off with a couple of corrections from our review? I think that's probably the best place to start. Okay, sounds good. What have you got for us, Connor? Have you got something then? So one of the big ones is the fact that we said last week that you had to complete the game. You had to complete the main story of Scarlet and Violet before you did the teal mask. That is not the case. Now, I will say I did a quick Google at the time. You guys have always seen me. I'm always trying to check my facts as I say them. Got that one wrong. It does change my opinion slightly, but I'll allow you to go into yours in a second. Um, The fact that you can go there early means that the teams for Carmine and her brother aren't as bad as I initially thought. Like having a level 60 Vulpix doesn't feel great, but if it's one of the first things you can do in the game, Sure. Okay. It Mm -hmm. also retracts my statement on the island of Kitkami not being that fun to explore because you have to have fully kitted out Koridon and Maridon to do it. That not being the case actually leads me to think I'd have had more fun exploring Kitkami before I picked all those up. So Kitkami as an experience throughout the story could be more fun i imagine than the experience i had of it as a post-game experience okay it's a very i think that's a very apt way to put it. it 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 doesn't change my overall opinion of the dlc um but i one of the one of the things i did mention is that in, in the review was i kind of wish that you were forced not to ride your ride Pokemon in the mm-hmm. DLC because then it would encourage you to explore on foot and instead of going up the mountain, you go almost around the mountain either way um, and then uh, ascend it from from behind. And I, I feel like going there earlier on and suddenly your ride Pokemon doesn't have all the abilities, hasn't got the high jump, the speed up, it can't do the rock climb or the surf. I think it would actually, I, I think it would benefit the DLC. So I, you know, I, I take the point that actually you probably would have had more enjoyment going there sooner. And again, it would have felt a bit more challenging if you're doing it early game because 
you know, one of the issues I had was you turn up there, you battle these trainers in post-game, and they've got a, like, only one or two Pokemon, and they're all, like, first-form evolutions, and it takes away some of the the challenge. Now, it does lead us on to a bit of a an issue where, like, this game's been out for six months now? Seven mm-hmm. months? No. Um, how some long time. it's been? A bit. It's for some time. And, like, if Game Freak... And Game Freak should have been aware of that when designing this and gone, okay, how many of how how many of the people buying this DLC do we think will have completed the game? And then you make the decision of, okay, do we make it post-game or do we try to implement some kind of system where, which is what we've got where, depending on when you go, there is some kind of scaling, but it's not a true level scaling. It's almost like... It's it's kind of like grading. Like it doesn't matter whether you get like I don't know a hundred or eighty. You're just bracketed into A in GCSEs. Whereas they probably should have had something a bit more. Okay, let's look at your team. Let's look at how many badges you've collected. Okay, and therefore we slot you into this into this category where the Pokemon are you know a bit of a challenge, but not to the point where you're going to struggle. And I think that is one of the major criticisms I, I i think of this not of the not of the dlc but how it's been how, how it's been implemented because the designing team by trying to by trying to do this dlc so you can do it at any point it leaves it with the same issues that the main game has of because you can kind of do it whenever the the teams are just kind of all over the place yeah. And I would have, pref- I honestly would have preferred it if they if they came out and either said, "Okay, you've got the DLC. We recommend doing this, you know, at levels whatever or whatever, or before these story beats." And then I I would have turned around and gone, "Okay, well, I'll start a new save file, I think, and I'll go into it almost fresh." Or they should have made the alternative decision of it, it's post game. You need to have completed the the main game, and therefore we don't need to scale all these Pokemon down. So, uh, counter-argument, and this Mm -hmm. is where Devil's Advocate is such a lovely section here because it means I get to play it all the way through. Um, (laughs) There will be people who go out and buy these games for the DLC. And they're, Mm -hmm. they're banking on that. They've clearly decided after Sword and Shield, okay, DLC makes us more money than a third game. I assume a lot of that comes down to the fact that when the DLC comes out, people go out and buy the base game to play the DLC. Those people should get to experience what they've bought as soon as they, or at least some portion of it, as soon as they want. If people go out and buy the game and they buy the DLC with it, do you really want to turn around to someone and say, okay, you spent 30 extra pounds for something you can't do until about 20, 30 hours from now? It's, I think it's a, it, it's a valid, valid point. And I assume and, that's why they split it into parts. So part one, you can do whenever. Part two is post-game. So you get a chunk of that DLC that you pay for right at the start. Which, I, it, it's, it's a tough one. And I, you, I think, you, I haven't got any data behind this, but I, I agree. I do think that there is a proportion of people who you know, 
will look at, okay, the DLCs come out and therefore it's closer to a complete game, therefore I'm going to buy it. I used to do it all the time. I don't know if anyone remembers back in the day on the 360, like the big titles like Borderlands and Fallout where they would release, you know, quarterly or half yearly or yearly DLC. But then if you waited, you could get the complete edition, which had literally the base game and all the DLC. And that was my go-to because you, you felt like you were getting more value for money because you literally bought the game and you have access to 100% of the base game and all the DLC for a fraction of the cost. And it works really well. So I think there is a, there's a valid argument there that there are some people that are waiting for the DLC to then buy the base game. However, I kind of feel like by aiming towards them, it's at the detriment of the first place through the gate that completed the game, that have all these high power Pokemon and are now looking for another reason to come back to Scarlet and Violet like me. And this is this this did it. The DLC got me back into it, but it had issues. And I would have, me personally, I would have preferred if they'd have just gone, this is this is post-game, it's high level, therefore it's more of a challenge and the area is designed around that on the basis of, okay, the chances are the players coming into this will have unlocked all the features of Maraidon and Karaidon, so how can we implement that functionality in a new and innovative way to explore the map? And it And it feels like... Well, it doesn't feel like it. We didn't get that. We didn't get a map that allows you to take advantage of the fact that this is post-game. Because, because, like you said, it's not built around post-game. To be well, fair, uh, with, with that thought in mind, Scarlet and Violet, there are places that you can go explore, but you can explore more, and you can explore more easily with Maridon and Karidon. Yes, It didn't feel like you could explore on them in Kitakami. It felt like no, you just that, cut through the center of it. Well, this this go, this goes back to that amazing video you did a long time ago of why HMs should be re-implemented into Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And the basic argument was that the HMs allow you to re-explore areas you've already been to flesh out those areas and, and unlock trinkets and treasures. And Maridon and Karidon's abilities should function in that way. But he never felt like that in, in Paldea or the, or the Teal Mask. Definitely not in the Teal Mask of, okay, I've got all these new abilities, therefore I should easily be able to get to places that aren't accessible early game. Like, for example, having a body of ocean across Kitakami that basically locks part of it out for newer players. And then for newer players, they've got half the island they can explore straight off the bat. And then the other half they have to work towards. And on the flip side, for people like us, you breeze through that first half because you've already you've already got powerful Pokemon. You've already unlocked all those you know features for the ride Pokemon. But then the the other half, because it's locked behind that that progression barrier, you can you can put high powerful Pokemon. You can put more Titan Pokemon. You can put you know some of those difficult um trainers as well and it's just a shame that they didn't do something like that instead of what we got which was okay we'll we'll kind of put depending on when you approach this you, the trainers just get a level boost but the pokemon don't get any kind of benefit from the levels outside of just more hp 
Okay. And therefore, there's there's no challenge. That's my issue with it. My- so interestingly, so uh, what I want to get to is the fact that we're now saying because Kitakami scales, the the game suffers for it. The gaming experience suffers. We, which which is kind which, of an interesting point when we look back to our reviews of Scarlet and Violet yeah. and think we got annoyed that it didn't scale. So I just want to pick apart like what does mm. what are our thoughts there? Why is why is the scaling that's implemented not appeasing that that need for us? Okay. So I I think for me is because it's lazy scaling. It's levels because- only. It's levels only. It should be, okay, depending on where you are in the game, the Pokemon in the in the DLC in the main game and the DLC benefit from a couple of things. So extra levels, EV spread, evolutions, items, secret abilities, the number of Pokemon your opponents has, whether or not they terrestrialize, what typing those terrestrializations are. And it's a real shame. I was listening to another podcast that basically they're one of their issues with the game was that Game Freak has moved into this open world experience, which I'm on board with for the most part if it's implemented well. But trainers are kind of stuck in this limbo now because trainers used to be a barrier in the in the routes that you went down or the caves that you explored. But they were a way to kind of boost your level so you you had that progression throughout the game. But then they've implemented the trainers in this of, well, they're not mandatory anymore. Okay, right, so they're not mandatory. That's fine. But because you can go off on and explore anywhere, you don't have an idea of whether or not they are a challenge, if they're difficult. Whereas on the routes in the previous games, you knew that, okay, well, I've just beaten the last gym. This is the route I have to go to. So therefore, the trainer should be roughly the level I am. And depending if you're underleveled, it's a bit of a challenge. If you're overleveled, you'll breeze through. But then on the next route or the next gym, those levels catch up with you. But we don't get that in this. And I think that one of one of my criticisms and one of the easy fixes for this for this DLC is to look at the look at the the challenge of it and scale it based on the progression the character has already made, and therefore you won't have the issues of people coming in going, okay, this is a bit too difficult for me. And on the flip side, okay, this is too easy for me. And by trying to appease everybody, I feel like they've appeased nobody. Okay. Do you think that's a fair point, or am I just... So, no, no, no. Over... You're, you're, you're entitled to your opinion, obviously. Um, I, <laughs> I think the teams do... And the thing is, that's that's where we're coming down to, is the teams should change. The composition, mm. whether it be the Pokemon themselves, the held items, all that kind of stuff. The teams need to change, because it feels really weird that at the beginning of the game, whether you start it at level 16 or whether you start it at level 60, Carmine starts with a Vulpix. And for somebody who goes to a battle-centric academy, where, which, which will be post-game stuff, and we know we're going to go out there and everybody's going to have level 60, 70 Pokemon. Everyone. It feels really odd that you're supposed to be connecting this character to that place. And it, and it fails in the storytelling in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's an argument of, yes, it might have been a better experience to play it through early. But the problem you've then got is 
do the characters fit the story? Yeah, I see the Carmine and um, Kieran. Like Kieran's story, I feel would actually work a bit better by taking on this story early game, because by taking it on late game. He proves that he can, by having level 60 Pokemon that he evolves, he proves that he is a, a competent trainer. And for that reason, he has a chance at taming Ogapon. And I still maintain what I said in the last piece of DLC that, like, Kevin should have had Ogapon, withstanding his, his twist at the end. Leading up until that, he was making all the right beats to be like, yeah, he should probably be the trainer. And um, by having a lower level, it kind of and 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 him building his team, it almost complements that story that you've got of him developing and growing as a trainer, and therefore would be a suitable candidate to be the trainer of Ogapon. Yep. But if you flip it and it's like, oh, he's already got level sixty Pokemon, but he hasn't evolved them, like. It almost it's almost a criticism of Kieran as a trainer because it's like, well, why haven't you evolved these Pokemon? You're not a very good trainer, are you? Like and it, it So the I, solution then is still to change out the Pokemon. Make yeah, him a different character yeah. through his Pokemon. Use the in-world storytelling. Change the Pokemon from somebody who has level 16s to somebody who has level 60s. And the thing is he can have level 60 Pokemon and still feel weak. Because he goes to Blueberry yeah. Academy, because his sister is that much stronger than him, he's got he's got a strong team, but it's not broken like everybody else is running. Mm. Mm. And the, the, there are some uh, there are some challenging fights in 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 the DLC. Yeah, but they're all once you've completed the story, you can you can track down the Ogre Clan, and the, I think there's seven or eight of them off the top of my head, and. These are the kind of challenges that I want in Pokemon because they aren't predominantly themed around... They're, they all have a gimmick. Like, you have one that is based around a sun team, one that's based around, like, a dark slash ghost team, one that's built around setting up a rain dance team. Like, they've got... They have got these challenging fights. So Game Freak acknowledges there's an appetite for this type of challenge. But, like... But why have that in a almost and it's not post game but the only way i can think to describe it why have those challenging fights in the post game of a of my post game which is the dlc does that make sense like for me like for me as a as a player that that has come into this dlc that has basically done everything there is to do in scarlet and violet and is now looking for that next challenge it's it's not there but is and that not because the true post game is coming in part two. Perhaps, and but it goes back to what we said last time. We can only review on what we've got yeah. at the at the at the moment. And like for me, like the, the next piece of DLC might have exactly what I'm looking for. I might go into that thinking, and and you know what? Actually, uh, I'm gonna yeah put my heart my sleeve here and make a prediction that's probably wrong that piece of dlc probably is for me because like we said you have to have completed the main game of scarlet and violet to uh, to access the um uh, the the uh, what's it called the second piece of dlc i can't remember what it's called uh, now. The, indigo uh, disc indigo disc so i'm fully expecting to see pokemon that are 
at least in their 70s. But again, I've still got a load of level 100 Pokemon, so I'd, I, I, and I know there's an Elite Four there, and there's Kieran's probably going to be the champion of that, I'd imagine, just to prove how strong he is. Okay, I'm, I'm going to throw an idea out there, and they're not okay. going to implement it, but I'm going to throw it out there. <laughs> Blueberry Academy has the ability to level Pokemon to be more like an online battle. We've seen this kind of thing happen in the Battle Resorts, in the Battle Frontiers. They set all your Pokemon to level 50. Yeah. That's how Blue Mary Academy fights. That's what I want. I'd be, I'd be happy with that. So you can I, come I, I, in with whatever Pokemon you want. They get level to 50. Yeah. So what I like about that as well is there is still a benefit to leveling to a level 100 because you get the moves. But then... You just get scaled down. You've still got the EVs. You've still got the held items. You've still got the moves and abilities. And you're forced to battle almost on an even playing field or mm -hmm. more even than it currently is. And you're right. They won't implement that. But I would love to see something like that because it would do away with some of the issues of... It's an easy way, I feel, to implement level scaling. And I know why... I know... <laughs> I don't know why. I can guess why they've not implemented level scaling, and it's because it's more work. It's okay. There's, you know, in, in, if we're talking about the base game, you know, there's 18, 18 different things that you can do. Okay, right. We've got to do level scaling based on, okay, which one did they do first? Which one did they do second? And then that implements on all the other ones. I don't think it's complicated to do. I think it's just time consuming. And I, I think it depends how deep you go it. with it. Yeah. Because if you're talking about changing up the Pokemon they have, changing up the levels, changing up the moveset, changing up the strategy, changing up the held items, 18 gyms that can be done in 18 different points, that's a lot of maths to do. <laughs> it is, yes. And, and Pokemon don't have that many people working on the game still. So, funnily enough, just on that, I read the other day, it's 169 staff. Okay. Which Do you know what's for... crazy that I didn't find out till the other day? What? We we still argue that Heart, Gold, Soul, Silver are probably some of the better games in the franchise, right? Mm-hmm. Apparently I had 12 developers. No. No, no, no. Where did you get... No, really? Uh, I, believe I, I believe I heard that on Did You Know Gaming, which, I, as far as they go... What? Fairly good... Uh, resource, uh, fairly good sources of information. Yeah. Wow. Like se seriously, twat. When you look at the right, okay, so let, let's just let's just do maths here because because why not? Okay, so I know I know it's I know it's not, but twelve developers. Okay, and you times that by ten, it gives you one hundred and twenty. You know what? I can get, I can do I can do twelve times tables. Times it by twelve. Okay, one hundred and forty-four. So we're, we're closer to one hundred and sixty-nine. Is is Scarlet and Violet 12 times better than Heart, Gold, and Soul Silver? I know this is very black and white, okay? I, I know that, but I just kind of want to throw it out there. It, it's not like the number... They, they've increased the number of developers, but has the quality improved? Can you argue that the the quality's improved? I, I don't know. I don't think so. Well... Depends it, what you mean, it depends what you mean by quality. It's, yes, yes, yeah. I, okay, do, do the do the pixel graphics of Heart, Gold, and Soul Silver look better than the modern graphics that we've got of, 
of Scarlet and Violet. Oh, see, now you can't bring that up because that's an argument we've got to make for later. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. But I know my answer, and uh, I'm sure we'll come on to that in Devil's Advocate later on. Um, I, I tell you what, uh, what I'd like to move on to is: shall we read some? Well, I'll read out some of what the listeners have said about their experience with the teal mask, and then we can start to figure out how we would have approached mm-hmm. the teal mask. So. Couple of years. First one from uh, Chaos Dragon. Regarding the DLC, there's no point in releasing them separately because Teal Mask is so sparse. I can only justify the game in the state it is in if it was designed for the next Switch, but they had to water it down part way through to make it work. Uh, short of that, there's no excuse for the laundry list of shortcomings with this release. Should we take them one at a time or should we do them all at once? Uh, take them one at a time. Why not? Okay, okay. I, I, I want to start on that point about the, the Switch because, funnily enough, um, because of the Xbox court case that's going on at the moment, uh, information has been leaked that a number of developers have seen Switch 2. They've seen the... Or whatever the... It's not called Switch 2. Whatever the successor to the Switch is, it's 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 in development. It is happening um, and likely to be in the next couple of years, I'd imagine, uh, based on just the, the development cycle and, and when um, consoles come out. I don't think that's the case for this. I don't think this was developed for the next version of, of Switch and then watered down. Um, I just can't... Because I, I, just, I just can't see that being the case because... Because Game Freak and the Pokemon Company know they have this strict cycle of, okay, every three years, roughly, we release the next game. They knew this deadline was coming. They knew which version of the hardware. Because Nintendo would talk to Game Freak and the Pokemon Company and go, we're looking at a launch window of this date for the next um, Switch console. Okay, right. Well, then you play around that and go, okay, well, we're a year ahead of this. Let's release it. So I, I don't think... That's the case. I might be if, if, wrong. If anything, I think this was specifically designed to be towards the end of the Switch's life cycle. Agreed. To sell a bunch of them right at the very end. Yep. And we- I can almost guarantee that the first game out on the Switch 2, if we want to call it that, won't be mainline. No. No, no, it won't be. It, it won't be. They'll do what they did with Let's Go. It's a nice, simple game that has a small contained scope with a limited number of Pokemon that gives them the opportunity to get to grips with the new hardware. Mm-hmm. Whether or not that's a remake or some kind of spin-off, I'd imagine it'd be some kind of spin-off, um, that is what they'll do, and I think it's the right decision to make, to be honest with you. Because the first, the first game that any developer releases on a new console. You only have to look at the first game they release and then the, the game that they release towards the end of that console's life cycle and the improvements that have been made as they start to get to grips with the the platform and how they develop for it. And it's why typically the games that should be released at the end of a, a console cycle are some of the best you will see because the developers just know head and tails how to develop for that platform. Obviously, if that's the case, Game Freak didn't get the memo for, <laughs> for Scarlet and Violet, unfortunately, um, which is which is a real shame. Cutting. Um, pardon? Cutting. Cutting words. <laughs> In the throat. Um, let, let's, um, so, yeah, so th- there's a point there about um, 
you know, they should have released the two pieces of DLC together. I, I don't completely agree with that, but I can understand the point because it, it is a continuation. The, the next piece of DLC is a continuation of this one, and it feels like it would have been nice to go from this straight into the next one. Do you agree? I... It's a difficult one to say because part of me is like, at the moment, I'm disappointed with the experience I've had and I've paid for it already. So... I, I, I'm in a state of annoyance, but would I have rather waited? I think personally I'd have rather waited. I could have waited yeah. till November to get it all in one go. I don't think... Yeah, I don't know. It's a hard one to press. I, I think they should have probably released it together. I don't think it does it any benefit being in two parts. No, I, I agreed. Uh, I think like maybe if they wanted to go, okay, there's there's a shorter time frame between the two. I think I would have been happy with this, and I can understand why they make you pay for both pieces because if like I, I know I would have bought the second piece anyway, but like there's only so much that even I'm willing to take as a fan of Pokemon. As you know, a parent whose whose daughter very much loves Pokemon and can overlook a lot of the criticisms that you know adults have of of the game, even I would have been hard pressed to go. Oh yeah, let's buy the second piece of DLC because at that point you're just rewarding, you know, bad 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 um, practices. Unfortunately, is this I think not really... <laughs> talking about practices? Is this not effectively season pass light? It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. But at least, but season pass. But typically, whenever I've done a season pass in the past, it always feels like you get a lot of a lot out of it. That you get more than you are putting in, which is the monetary value. Whereas this, in the moment, I don't feel like I've gotten that value out of it. So on that on that basis, I'd probably say it it. Well, it is a season pass light, and you could describe it like that. It doesn't feel like that because you're not getting a lot of quality out of it. Yes. Or a lot of things out of it. Yet. No, yet. Um let's let's move on to the next um comment that we've had. Um Let's see if Mika Bryant, who I know is probably jumping out of their chair right now because they did leave a previous comment saying that whenever they hear their name. <laughs> on the podcast like it takes them out of it um uh, so uh this is a bit of a long one so strap in folks while this dlc has technically got more to it than the isle of army it still felt like a bit of a nothing nothing sandwich uh they included more new pokemon than the isle of army but it f still felt very underwhelming the town was nice but the region is as barren as paldea more points of interest around the map are needed signs of human life um, you're both very right. Empty biomes with wild Pokemon and no more. It's not terrible, just an unfinished feeling. Uh, they did say that they like the cave networks, though. Uh, something that they did get right in Scarlet and Violet too, although they serve no purpose. Um, and a uh, little sign-off. Perrin needs to be in the next Pokemon Snap as your lead or mentor. I already miss her. Perrin does need to be in more Pokemon games. Poke characters need to be in more Pokemon games. They need to cross over with one another. We've we've said this before. It's one of the good things about the anime is you're able to reintroduce characters and get them to, you know, cross pollinate the different. I don't know if that's the right word, but get them going in and out of different, you know, games and 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 whatnot. 
Um, um, as a kind of counter spoiler, some of the leaks have come out around um, the Indigo Disc now. People have really? data mined. People have data mined the DLC and have got bits of information. So we oh. know we're getting. It has been advertised that we're getting uh, a club room, effectively, and you can have different people come to visit you at that club room and be your mentor. Right. Um, I won't say who is there. But apparently, there are no Unovan trainers there. There's nobody from Unova coming over, unfortunately. Despite the fact we are going to Yeah, Unova. so there's, there's no Sharon, there's no Bianca, there's no... Um, of course not. Professor... Uh, Juniper. It's Professor Juniper. And Juniper? Yeah. None of those are coming over. None of the gym wow. leaders. Nothing like that. Big shame, but okay. such is the way. One, one of the... Um comments that Mika Bryant said was about um, they included new Pokemon. Do you think there was enough new Pokemon? Do you think it needed more? So we've got what? Three, four, five, six, seven, uh, eight, if you include Diplin. Yeah. Off the top of my head, eight, eight new Pokemon. I believe so. I believe eight. Out of 200 available on the island. And most of them are story related. Yes. It's a difficult one to say. Do I need more than that in there? I think Hisui felt like the right number for me. For a whole new land. This obviously wasn't a whole new land. But was it? Mm. It's a hard one to press on that. Doesn't need more Pokemon. See, for for me, because we we don't know where this this takes place, do we? We we know it's in we, Kitakami. We, we but, assume it's somewhere the... between Johto and Sinnoh. See, this is I think this is my one of my issues with it. If it was literally just an island off the coast of Paldea, like Isle of Armor, I wouldn't expect a load of new Pokemon because. It's just an offshoot of the main region that you are exploring. But by trying to do what they've done of, okay, it it's somewhere out there, but nobody really knows where it is. It opens up the question for me of, well, why isn't there more new undiscovered Pokemon on this, in in this region? And if it was an island, I could forgive it, but it's, it's not an island. Like the, it, one of the good things about this that I really liked is the fact it wasn't just an island in the middle of nowhere. They did what a lot of other open world games do: of okay, there, there, you can see that there's something beyond the area you are in. But you just can't get there. And I like that the fact you got these big mountains that surround it, so it's this little enclosed area. But because of that, why aren't we seeing more new Pokemon just roaming and wandering in and discovering it? And I think like eight new eight new Pokemon. It, it it's a tough one. It, it, I think I would have preferred to be honest with you if if they'd have just gone here. You know, you got the four new Pokemon that are core to the story, and then you've got the Ursa Luna, which is just a random Pokemon that has ended up here. So it's just so weird and unique, and just left it at that. Because by introducing just a handful of a Pokemon. It's it, it just why why them why them if that maybe I'm being pedantic I, I feel like I'm being a bit pedantic here 
But I, I, because the Isle of Armor was just literally you go there and you get Kubfu, Ursaluna, and that was it, wasn't it? Slowpoke. Slowpoke. And then you get the two crowns that evolve it into both of its evolutions. Yes. But that felt like. Maybe it's just the Pokemon that were introduced. You know, actually, no, that's what it that's what it is. I know what my issue is here. It's the Pokemon that were introduced. Because mm, you've got okay. an evolution of Apple. You've got an evolution of Appling, which I don't feel was needed. Appling was kind of, was for me was complete in Sword and Shield. Yeah, but and you then heard you've it got, might evolve again. I have heard because the Eviolite works on it. Which Apparently is, so. I'm I'm not sure if I'm in the camp of it's a bug. What do you I, mean it's a bug? Oh, a bug. Oh, right. I thought you meant a bug Pokemon. I was no, 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 no. like working might just be a bug. I, I honestly think that's the case. It really wouldn't surprise me if that's the case. Um, and then you've got Poltergeist and Sinistee, which are, while they had a great trailer to advertise them, they're just offshoots of Pokemon we've already had in some degree in Sword and Shield. I think that's my crux with it. Because the Isle of Armour was so contained with its Pokemon, it felt like, okay, these are exciting Pokemon. But what we've got are an evolution of something that already came before that was... I've, I've used those Pokemon. I do enjoy um, Appleton. Appleton's a fantastic stall Pokemon that I really enjoy using. But I can't say I'm excited about an Appling or an evolution of Appling. I'm not excited about Sinistee and, and Poltergeist. Um, I think that's maybe my issue here is I would have preferred cutting them out and just having, he, here's the trio, here's the Ogapon, and here's the Ursaluna. I think I would have preferred that. It would have been a stronger focus on new Pokemon. See, I just, I can't get on board with less being better. Okay. I think they gave us something. I kind of wish it was more because again, as okay. you say, it's supposed to be a new region, effectively. A very small part of a new region, but a new region nonetheless. And it didn't feel like any of the new regions we've faced before. Okay. I okay. question as well the idea of only adding 100 new Pokemon outside. Is it 100 or is it like 50 new Pokemon outside of what was already available in Paldea? It, it's So if you, if you complete the Pokedex in Paldea, when you go to... Uh, Kitakami, half the Pokedex is complete to 100, so there's an extra 100 Pokemon on top of what's available in Scarlet and Violet. Okay. Does that not excite you in the slightest, the fact that some of old favorites are back? Like, I, I got excited to see Heracross. I won't lie. Granted, I could have already brought it over from um, Sinnoh, not Sinnoh, old Sinnoh, Hisui. There you go. Mm -hmm. I could have done that already, but it was, it was cool to see. Maybe, okay, maybe that's my, maybe that's on me then because I imported all the Pokemon from home. So for me, it was like, I bring all the Pokemon from home in. Oh, I've only got about eight, nine Pokemon that I need to catch in this area. So maybe that's on me, actually, the fact that so it feels like it's underwhelming in the number of Pokemon. Genuine question then. <laughs> okay. And I, and I hate throwing this out there, but... Did we just not play the game right? Honestly, it, it, the more we're talking about it, the more it feels like this game, is, this piece of DLC is, 
okay, you play this DLC after you've started the treasure hunt and maybe you've beaten one or two of the early games, which, which if that's the choice, they need to explain that. For the best experience of this game, of this piece of DLC, we recommend, and I've seen this on other pieces of DLC for other games where they go, before you play this, we recommend that you, and then it, it almost lists out a checklist of when you should do it, what level or what equipment you should have. And I would have preferred that because obviously they've gone into this and they they are, you know, they're game developers, but but some of the stuff there will be storytellers. They've got a story. They 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 want you to experience the base game and the DLC in a particular way, which I'm on board with. That I'm fine with them go, with almost handholding you, kind of nudging you in the directions you should go. But then, if you don't want to follow that, you don't have to. But explain that, like, and it, it's it's really disappointing because I, obviously I've come to this this the DLC, and I've flown through it, I'm over-leveled, I've already caught the majority of Pokemon, transferred them from home. So, like, at that point, the question becomes, well, am I at a disadvantage, or am I not rewarded for playing all the previous games and completing them? It's now to my detriment that I've played and completed previous Pokemon games. Okay, fair. Like, and and part of me thinks that, that that actually is a genuine answer because as we know every every Pokemon game is someone's first Pokemon game. So am I just at the point now where I'm nine generations in, and because of that, I'm seeing and experiencing issues and diminish and getting diminishing returns that first time players are loving. Wow, look at this. I've 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 completely Scarlet and Violet, my very first Pokemon game. And wow, now I get to go to this new area and catch an extra 100 new Pokemon. Yeah. The, 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 the... Let's move on to the next comment. And then this, <laughs> so this is the last comment, and then we can kind of break down what we would have done. So um this comes courtesy of Tony over on YouTube. Uh um I agree with you, not being able to tell Kiki the truth really sucks, but I imagine it's for the character's art that will finish in the Indigo disc, as he'll pull a Wally, and while you're getting stronger in your journey, um, he's getting stronger and becomes the champion of the Blueberry Academy, since there's a secret champion over there. So he's put secret in, in quotes, so I don't think the secret so, is out. I think so it's we've, just... we've had what appears to be a champion revealed. We know they wear okay. a white coat. It's like opened up. They've got a red vest on underneath and they've got a, a red fingerless glove on one hand. That's what we've seen of them so far. It's in one of the trailers. Okay. We, we're assuming that's a champion because it's in the Blueberry Academy okay. fighting dojo ring thing that they've got. So we're assuming it's a champion. Yes, I agree. If it's going to be anyone, it's probably going to be Kieran. I think he does go back to school and be like, right, I'm going to be number one. Which feels really bad if I'm going to have to go there and beat him again. I <laughs> know, right? It's almost like <laughs> I beat you in your home and now I'm going to come and beat you in your second home. It's, it's a poor kid. And <laughs> oh. that's, that's, that's almost one of the problems with Pokemon not having choice 
Um, yeah. Is, yeah. There, there could be other ways to resolve this other than fighting. There was a way to resolve it in the first game, and it's Oh, no, I fully agree. Same. But I think you should be able to get to Kieran and be like, bro, let's just let's chill a moment. Let me just explain, and we can come to an understanding that I was, in fact, wrong, and I'm apologizing to you. But we don't get that because in Pokemon games, free will and choice is an illusion hidden behind two sets of dialogue options that are 99% the same, which is a shame. But you do have the choice of 600 odd Pokemon to pick from. <laughs> you do, which look better than ever. I must admit, they look better than ever. Um, now that I've got to play the DLC a little bit more, some of the some of the sprites look absolutely amazing. Apparently, Gliscor now just walks on the floor. Apparently, amazing. I don't know if you've seen this, which is I I'm perfectly fine with that because it's a ground type, and yet every previous iteration it's flown for some reason. Um, well, like, it's a flying I, and type. I, I, I know, yeah, sorry, but it's the fact that like. It, it feels like to me that it just being a flying Pokemon isn't unique. A flying Pokemon that's on the ground, I feel, is like a unique way to. Yeah, it's nice to see its ground type finally represented properly. Yes, yes. Um, uh, let's let's talk about. I, I think that last comment brings us on to the characters. Let's let's discuss the characters. I I, I feel because. The, the, let, Carmine and, and Kieran, let's discuss them because it's. I feel like it's a difficult conversation to have fully because we haven't seen the culmination of their journeys. Yeah. But I feel like more than ever, our choices should have had more of an impact on their development and the story. And I really do feel like. Kieran's turn could have been handled really well if the dialogue options worked in the way that other RPGs do, such as Mass Effect or Knights of the Old Republic, where you've got a good and a bad path. And I feel like you going down the bad path could have worked really well with Kieran just going, this guy isn't my friend, and I'm done with him, and now I'm going to become the very best I'm going to show him. And I, I feel like that would have worked... Okay. What what do you think? I think the problem is that they're, in my opinion, they're setting up for Kieran to be champion and for Carmine to be the head of some kind of quote-unquote evil team. Okay. I think when she goes back to school, she's going to have a whole bunch of grunts around her because that's how she treats you. And if you read her dialogue the way uh. through it, she's like, ah, oh, yes, do this for me. Take this hit for me. Let your leader win. And she treats you like a grunt. So I feel like she's going to have her little crew and Kieran's going to be champion. So that's what they really wanted was a story where you meet two people and you see them grow into something amazing by post-game. But... I like that. But what we have as a story right now is just... I kind of travel around with two sociopaths 
<laughs> Funnily enough, I, I I stumbled upon someone uh, discussing, and I and I missed this. I don't know how we missed missed talking about this in the review, but like at one point, Carmine literally says, "Yeah, I I might be being mean to my younger brother, but at least I didn't punch him." Yeah, it's like, wait, what? And I can I completely glance over that in the in the review, but it just sums up their sibling. Relate. I've I've had siblings. You you, I'm pretty sure my brother will have used that argument at some point with my parents. Of I did a bad thing, but at least I didn't do the worst bad thing. And it's just something that children do. And I think what doesn't help that scenario is the fact that Cameron Cameron is obviously supposed to be what 14, 15, but because it's Pokemon, age is weird. How it's presented, you've got a 12 year old kid that. You can save the world, so it, it it feels like an adult threatening to punch a kid when actually it's a teenager punching another teenager and a preteen, teenagers, preteen, and like teenagers do daft things. Like everyone did, it. everyone did something daft as a teenager. Don't deny it. Um, but I feel like their story it, it's it's another one of those aspects where you are along for the ride, but it doesn't feel like you can contribute to it. No. And that that's that's a valid statement, I think. It's they've set up these two character stories, which leads them to really interesting places. But it does make me feel like I'm not having that interesting of a time. Because yeah. everyone around me is having a better story. Yeah, no, no, you you make a really valid point there that I actually, I actually would have preferred, I think, if you got stranded on this island and it is more like Scarlet and Violet of, here are all the, the locations you can go to, have at it, rather than, okay, I need to follow this train to go here, I need to follow this train to then go there. And you're basically just like dragged by the hand around all these different places, forced to battle. And yet it is, like we said in the, in the review, this is very much Kieran and Carmine's story, not yours. Mm. But because you are the mute protagonist, it's presented as if you're doing all the big actions, but you don't deserve to do the big actions. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, we both sat here and said that Kieran should have walked away with Ogre Pond by the end of it. It's only because he comes a little... Ugh, words failed me there. It's only because he becomes a little psycho at the end. He's like, I don't care about this Pokemon's feeling. I want it from me because I earned it. Which is still a weird turn. Yeah, I, I, I agree there. Because up until up until the like the 11th hour, I was completely on board with, yeah, you just take Ogapon. It makes sense for you to have Ogapon to then turn around and go, okay, no, you, you don't deserve Ogapon now. But there's no dial options or anything else to kind of present that. And Kieran's turn is is so extreme. And you know what? Actually, actually, go going back to like the, the characters. The the and okay, so so where we kind of I think landed on is you should probably play this DLC sooner rather than later to get the best benefit from it but the issue then is you've got you've potentially play this you start let's say you buy the game today you play this piece of dlc in the next week and then you go on to complete the main game and then you've got all those months between this and that 
like, are Kieran and Carmine strong enough characters for you to remember enough about them to appreciate them and their arc in the second piece of DLC? Oh, I think so. Okay. I I think you have enough time with them, especially. Whether whether we go to Blueberry Academy and have the same reaction that you and I both had going to Kit Academy of, can I just have my other friends back, please? The, the people I actually like, the people who, yes, had their issues, but actually worked through them instead of just... I don't know. It's, it's hard. When you compare Kieran to Arvin, but Arvin has a positive character arc, and in this story, Kieran has a negative character arc. And that's not a bad thing to have. It's okay for people to have a negative character arc. I just don't... It comes down to execution again. Yes. But then the question is, what would we have done differently? I, I think this is... The, I think this is the... the, the, the okay, there's, there's two main issues, I think, that... that, that I don't think we can resolve, which is uh, is unfortunate. The first part is, yes, this character's had a negative character arc, but we've only seen one half of the DLC. For all we, we know, they, they flip it around and, you know, their growth comes in the next piece of DLC. This D DLC was setting up this character of, you're going to hate them now, but you go, you're going to love them by the end because you get to see the positive journey they go in in the second half and the realization of what they've done and they become a better person for it but also the other thing we can't control is dialogue options and i think because of those we're limited with what we can do with the characters i don't think i would the problem uh, that that's my problem i think is not so much the characters it's the fact that we've seen half of their journey and we can't control the half of the journey we've had Okay, so you, you you would love to see dialogue options finally come to Pokemon. Like, dialogue options that matter. Yeah, I would have done, because then at least, like, if Kieran had reacted that way because of something I'd said or done, I would have been like, okay, fair enough. Like, I've, I've made a mistake or I've done something to set him off. And, and while I might not like where his character's going, I can acknowledge that it's because of me which I can't acknowledge in the in the current state of the DLC because it isn't me. It was Carmine choosing to lie and force me to lie and the granddad just being like, yeah, whatever. I think that's my issue there. So maybe it's not so much with the story and the character. It's the mechanic. Again, it's the mechanics. Okay, let's, let's reframe this then. Okay. So how do we tell the same story? So Kieran still earn, ends up having his negative character arc. But we remove that section. We remove the bit where we are forced to lie to him. How do we tell that story without that bit? Oh, I... I think the way you tell that story is that you almost split Kieran and Carmine so they're on opposite ends. Kieran is so obsessed with Ogapom, so obsessed with Ogapom being the being right and being the the one that is the good guy, and then you've got Carmine on the side of history going, Kieran, you're wrong. The history tells us that these three Pokemon defeat Ogapom, and that's where 
that's where that conflict comes in of these two characters butting heads and you as a you as the main character choose Carmine's side. And the way you do that is through all the trailers that we've had, all the all the all the build up is yeah, Carmine's obviously the right one because then it makes the twist more impactful and makes Kieran's Kieran's thought that you've betrayed him even more impactful because you you as the player have chosen the wrong side and then what you have despite all of that maybe the twist is for whatever reason I don't know how Ogapon still chooses you and that's when Kieran just flips because then that would make sense I've dedicated my life my time all my effort to you and yet you still chose this other trainer of course i'm going to be peeved off of course i'm going to come back in the second piece of dlc on my villain arc and it's going to feel like it's it's not deserved deserves the wrong word what people like what people like in stories is they like a villain that you can in some way relate to whether or not it's their past whether or not it's their ambitions or their goals it's a villain where Okay, I get why you're the villain, and I can agree with some of your thoughts or motivations, but I can't get behind what you're doing. And that's where we should have gone with Kieran. So I think you're going to struggle picking the side of the Loyal Three and then still getting Ogre Pond to join you at the end and have that I agree. feel like a satisfying story. So there's a part of me that feels like we've overcomplicated it with the liar story. It could okay. quite easily have been Kieran can be part of the group and he can travel around with you, but he fights in the first uh, Titan fight style thing that we have when all the loyal three are bigger. Or mm -hmm. in fact, even when you first meet the Loyal Three and they're beating up Ogre Pond and they're kicking him in, it would make sense <laughs> if Kieran jumped in first and Kieran lost. And then okay. you had to come in and defend him. And then they team okay. up and Carmine joins you and, the t and then they run off. And Kieran's suddenly at a point of, I'm a part of this, but I'm not a significant part of this. I'm not helping. And Kieran, through throughout it, watches you and Carmine take on these Titan fights, and it's you two that are winning, mm. and he's not strong enough to take part. And you're clearly getting this relationship with Ogrepon that just happens naturally. It's fair. So towards the end of the game, he's like, "Well, hang on, I worked with Ogrepon. I was there the whole time. Why is it choosing you?" Is it because you're stronger than me? Is it because you won the fight? I can, I can win a fight. If that's what Ogrepon needs me to show, I can win a fight. Fight me. Fight me now. I, I I'll prove it to it because that's clearly what it wants. Mm. And it allows Kieran to be part of the story. You don't have to have him go off and hate you for reasons you didn't control. It's just a natural progression of somebody who already feels like a younger sibling, we all know, well, if you've got older siblings, you know that feeling of I'm not as good as them and I'm never going to be as good as them because they've got years on me and that's how that works. But I assume that Kieran is also somebody who doesn't get a, get a lot of friends at school. He's very shy. He's very, he doesn't put himself out there a lot. So he's met you. You still have this experience 
Carmine still joins your story at the same time, but you just remove the liar segment. Kieran just gets slowly and slowly pushed further to the back. Not by you, maybe by Carmine, but she's not being outright mean to him. She's not punching him. So you don't say anything. You let it go because they're siblings. You don't get involved in sibling matters because you don't know the situation. And then we realize at the end, oh, actually, no, Kieran has been struggling with this and there's nothing I can do now. I can't talk him out of this situation. I'll fight him. And then he goes, no, I'm out. I'm done. I lost. It is because I'm not strong enough. I've got and it's, it's all about what's in his head, because the thing is, at the moment, he's right. He's right. People were mistreating him. We did mistreat him. He did deserve Ogre Pond over us. All of that is valid. I want it to get to a point where Kieran actually doesn't understand the situation. He is allowing the voices in his head to mislead him. He is allowing his ego to get in the way. And then that still allows him to go off, become the champion, get beaten again. And then he has his full breakdown of, I don't get it. Why am I still losing? And we can deal with it then. I think wow. the liar revealed story makes the whole thing weaker. There you go. Wow. I, I, for those of you watching on YouTube, you'll just see me like bobbing my head up and down, like agreeing, drawing all of that. Like, that. That was absolutely phenomenal. I think it fixes some of the issues that I have with i think the poor writing of those characters and the situations they're forced into for plot convenience mm-hmm. um i really don't have anything else to add to that connor that, that was absolutely absolutely fantastic um what else would you change okay the big the one DLC. for me is the side quests yes even if we just change the ones that we've already got the couple who want to see the lovey-dovey Pokemon. I think they should have been asking for more. Mm-hmm. And they should have had, and that could have been quite fun. Here's a reason to go and catch Pokemon. This this couple are going to give you hints about Pokemon they want to see. Doesn't have to be a lot, but it gives me a reason to go and catch Pokemon. Perrin. Oh, Perrin. This should have been, and I think I addressed this last week, we should have just been hunting cryptids. Thank you, whoever it was in the comment who gave me the word cryptids. I read that and I was like, yes, that's exactly what I was looking for. Cryptids. We should have been going out and searching for these strange phenomena of Pokemon. And we could have still done 10. We could have still done... Okay, personally, I'd have loved to see it in the wild. I'd have loved to see... Even you could do it where, same as the Milotic... Oh, no, because the Milotic happens at a certain point in the story. Okay. I think for it to work, you realistically have to skip the same way that they do in the main game or in Kitakami at the moment, where you go to a locked-off version of the Timeless Woods. I think you would probably do that. It's a case of, go see Perrin. Uh, She says, hey, uh, there's a thing going on in the barren wastelands. Meet me there. Go up, meet Perrin. Okay. We're going to wait here until dawn on a clear day. Cut to you at dawn in a clear day in the barren wastelands. You've got to go around a search for this thing. And you take a bunch of pictures on your way. And personally, I'd love it if you took pictures and instead of it just saying, oh, this Pokemon has been added to the, the machine, 
it gives you a little bit of information about it. It's like, oh, that's a Psyduck. Psyduck, what we can see is it's jumping into the water. Isn't it funny the way they swim? Very little, because, because we're designing this. We're designing the Pokemon to do certain actions anyway, and they can just be on little loops. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be intricate, because realistically, we're not going to spend that much time there. Going to go around, see everything, see that it's all doing the same thing over and over again, which isn't unrealistic for animals. Sure, they do yeah. the same thing over and over again. And then you find that one cryptid that you've been looking for. Turns out it's not real, but we got a picture. We can prove it. And then Perrin gets more and more frustrated because, again, I love her story. The idea that she's lost something along the way. She's lost the mm -hmm. art of it all. And she started getting bogged down in doing it right rather than doing what felt right. Beautiful story. Um, but I like the idea that she needs to find the wonder again, and that's why she's looking for the cryptids. And it's just proving to her over and over again of, okay, maybe there is no wonder left in the world. These photographs look great, but it doesn't capture anything. I'm not, I, there's, there's nothing there for me. And then Blood Moon Ursa Luna shows up, and it's like, my life is my life has meaning again mm. because i think if you're going to take photos especially in the pokemon world it's got to be about the discovery you you bring it back to the theme of the game it's got to be about discovery why do we take photographs because we get to catch pokemon in their real life habitat we get to that's why we, to make the sneaking mechanic work we'll throw <laughs> that one in there so you've got to sneak up on these pokemon to see them in their actual habitat and get to see them behaving as they would in the wild yeah that's 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 one of the main changes i'd make okay i think uh, one one of my issues i think with the dlc is the fact that you can by doing it at the end of the game you can pr you can just rush through it and miss a load of the things that obviously they want you to explore so what i would have it is that when you get there you can't go up the mountain yet and the hub that you start at is almost the, okay, now that you're here, here's where you get all the side quests. So you've got the ogre people, you've got the, the ogre clan, you've got Nimona's parents um, that are <laughs> apparently out there. You've got the lovey dovey couple, like you say, who's asking you to track down certain Pokemon. You've got um, uh, 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 we've just spoken about, what, what's the name? What, what's the photographer? Pairing. Pairing. You've got her going, okay, these are the 10 photos that I want you to take. And all of those take place on the outskirts of the mountain. And it forces you to then go, okay, I've now got reasons to go out and do all these different things right now. Because the issue they've got is that a lot of them little things that you can do are... Well, Perrin's is, is just one area, but the, the Lovey Dovey Couple is one Pokemon that you can't even get in that area either. You've got the Ogre Clan, which are hidden around the area, but again, aren't really... It's not really clear where they are. I had to follow a guide to find them because it was taking forever. Um, and what they should have done is they should have done what they did with the, the base game, which is one of the things that Scarlet and Violet got right is you get to the academy and then suddenly Arvin, Penny and Nimona are like look at all the great things you can do on the map and suddenly the map looks populated because you've got 
you've got this this big map you've got 18 things to do and you can do them in any order but what is is good as you get to you see things and catch pokemon and do things on the way to each of these areas and then go on detours and that's what they should have done in scarlet in, in the dlc you should have got to that hub area and they should have gone okay this is great ogre pond if you want to track down that that's up there you've then got the rich couple going oh we're going to explore these different areas see if you can find us all you've got the lovey dovey couple going you know what these are the 10 pokemon we want to see and you get little circles on the map to go Go and find the Pokemon somewhere in those circles. Then you talk to Perrin. I want to take these 10 photos of these Pokemon. They're all in these little circles. And suddenly you've got this map populated at the very start of all these exciting things that you can go out and do that, again, reward you for going out and exploring. And hopefully there's enough life in the game where, okay, I'm going to make a beeline for this one to take a photo. I'm halfway there. Oh, there's a terrestrialization den over there. Oh, there's a terrestrialized wild Pokemon over there. There's a random house or a random hut or a random NPC. And constantly you are getting driven off to these other things that you can do that, that you can do that you didn't even realize you can do. And suddenly the game isn't any more populated, but you've made it feel like it's more populated. It's more lived in because suddenly on the map, you can see that there is so much to do. And I've not really changed anything there outside of what you've already suggested and we spoke about last week of pairing just like spread her, spread what she does out and just highlighting the different points of interest of things that you can do and just making it so that actually feels like a lived-in area which you don't get at the moment. It's one village, a handful of signs, and it's just populated with Pokemon. Yes. So that's what I'd do. Uh, other little things, I would make the Loyal 3 roaming. Oh, why? Yes! That is Maybe not even necessarily mix. across the entire region, but similar to the way they did with the uh, Galarian birds. Yeah. They are in a specific area, but will run around or fly around that entire area. Yeah. So you've got to go explore to find them. That that should have been that should have been a thing. Agreed. Okay. I love I love I love that idea. I absolutely that is Go on. It, it's Sorry. a shame that there is a mechanic to rebuild um you get to basically rebuild Kitakami's uh main temple i think the shrine the so you shrine. have to pay mi a million po i've done it a million poker dollars to rebuild a shrine to get an outfit okay so you've done it what yeah. what what do you get to see the shrine improve um it's such an underwhelming quest i can't even remember uh i think you do i think you get up there and the shrine is exactly the same as the shrine that was destroyed like it's the same model and the whole premise is it's good for tourism, so we want to rebuild it, and that's it. Right, okay. I don't but know. It's not, it, a fun it, side, it's not a fun side quest. It is, and it's made even worse by the fact that you get a million poker dollars, you talk to the bloke, and he doesn't go, oh, do you want to hand over the million dollars? It's, no, do you want to hand over 10,000 or 100,000, and you have to do it 10 times? They have to go into the menu, select it, he gives you some like right, The temple rebuilding thing, again, should have been implemented in a better way. Maybe it's going out and getting materials 
or something like that. Rather yeah, than considering there's already materials in the game, that makes sense. Like, That's oh, we're gonna We've need... already, I know. Why do we have these materials that are just used for TMs? <laughs> Let them be available for different things. Yeah. It, it's, it's... The materials were implemented phenomenally in Legends Arceus because it, it created a cycle of I'm running out of items, I need to go out into the wild to do all these different things, to then craft more items that allow me to get more Pokemon. Oh, I'm running out of items, I need to get the items to craft more items to get more Pokemon. That The cycle in that game, the, the gameplay loop was absolutely fantastic. The gameplay loop in this is, is pretty much non-existent because it's like, okay, I need a TM, I'll go out and get a couple of Pokemon. And, and but for them, but you can find the TMs in the wild, and then some of the items you'll have already gotten playing the story anyway. So there's no gameplay loop with the items, and outside of people that are trying to get TMs for competitive, the items just sit in the inventory and don't really do anything. Mm. Like you say, like okay, okay, we need wood to build this. Go and track down timber because they're carrying the planks of wood. Oh, we need some rocks to to for gravel. Go and track down these geodudes. Like the the Pokemon are there, the mechanics are there. They just need to be implemented in a fun and exciting way. And we do have something like this because you get to trade in the um a Bronzor and Sinisty chips for you get to trade them for the item that evolves uh Charcadet. Mm-hmm. So they have got it implemented in there that you can trade these things away. So yeah, it would be we need Geodude dust because it makes for good mortar. Go go defeat a bunch of Geodude. Yeah, no, that would that would have been really cool. And the thing is as well, the other you're talking about Legends Arceus. The other thing it did, I think acceptably, is the town improved due to it your did. influence. And I think a game that's so focused on xenophobia. I, I've I've actually written a video about this now, about how the game is actually about xenophobia Fantastic. and how the Loyal Three represent that. And that's why they come back to life is because Carmine has had all these feelings stirred up. So when she goes to visit the shrine with you, that's why they come back. Because it's this hatred I of outsiders. I like it. Okay. So it would have been really cool to have, you know, if we're, if the story is about the the village overcoming that thought, it would have been really cool to have a side mission where basically the Loyal Three come back, they trash the place, and you've got to rebuild it with Ogre Pond's help. So Ogre Pond acts as your guide around Kitakami because it's lived there forever. So it knows where the Geodudes are. It knows where the Milotics are. It knows where all these really interesting Pokemon are. So it can guide you as much as you, rather than just follow you around. And then that gives the village even more reason to be like, oh yeah, we were wrong. Not only are outsiders not bad, but this ogre has helped to rebuild a town that has turned its back on it for hundreds of years. We'll throw our hands up. We were wrong in that case. And again, you're not implementing any new mechanics. It's all there. It's all available yeah. to you. It just needs to be implemented in a better way, whether or not that's more engaging, more fun, uh, giving you more to do. Like we're not, we're not breaking the wheel here. We are literally just adding extra spokes to it. Yeah, that Game Freak could could do. 
it's, think... it's, it's about giving the players a reason to do the things that are available to them. Yeah. Give me a reason to go catch Pokemon because I won't do it on my own because I don't find it that fun. But if I'm doing it to build towards something else, then it gives it meaning. It gives it purpose. It gives me a reason to want to do it. Yeah. And like, I feel like an another thing that needs to be implemented is if you're going to have all these side quests in Pokemon, give us a list. Like Legends Arceus, it was one of the great things about seeing that list and realizing how far you've come alongside seeing the developments of the town that you are playing a part in. And by doing that, it also encourages you to track down the missing things that you are doing. Like Legends Arceus, when you know you have a list, and it's like, okay, I've done the first 20, but I'm missing number 17. And then trying to figure out, okay, where do I find this? And, and just that that reward and that gameplay loop of, okay, there's, there's more to do. But the problem with this piece of DLC is, like, I'm having to look up guides of what is there to do in the DLC yeah. And then going down this list and going, yeah, I've done, I've done, I've done, I've done. Oh, that's really not worth my time, but I feel like I need to do it for completion's sake. Yet if it was in a list, I'd feel like, okay, look at all the things I've accomplished. And the great thing about that then is when I then look at this piece, piece of DLC, it might shift my opinion and going, actually, there was a lot to do in this. Might was there though? Vain. Do you do you not think that no. this would just <laughs> highlight how little there is to do? Yeah, I think I think it, I think it would. To be quite honest with you, because you've got the handful of main stories, Perrin's quest, a handful of other ones. Like you're probably looking at a list of less than twenty. Maybe yeah. I'm probably being generous there. I'm probably looking at about ten to fifteen, depending on whether or not they wanted to do ogre ousting and split it out into three. Like it depends on how far they want to. Sp they could make it look busy mm. if they wanted to by splitting things down, like each of the ogre people being a separate one, for example. But I, I think I think it's a valid point that it would make you realize, oh, there wasn't actually that much to do in this piece of DLC. Yeah, I, I think but it needs more side quests. Agreed. I, 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 there's there's uh, not a lot to find out in Kitakami. Yeah. Again, there's 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 Pokemon to find, but that comes back to what we were talking about earlier. There's not enough new Pokemon to find, and we have been playing this forever, so the old Pokemon aren't as interesting to us. So it's mm. almost like the main draw of the area. There, there isn't one anymore. Yeah. So give me a reason. If this is going to be a game that can be played by new people and played by people who've played the games for every single generation, give me something to do out there. Give me a reason to go there. You, you know, you, earlier on, you mentioned a season pass. And you know what? A season pass could actually work really well for Pokemon. And I don't want to give Game Freak ideas to make more money, but a year-long season pass of... Okay, here's new here's new um, terror raids that you can only access if you're part of the season pass. Here's new costumes you can only access if you're part of the season pass. Here's new side quests that you can like. They could implement so much to constantly get people coming back for more. I don't want them to do it, but like for me, that is something that I think that 
Pokemon needs because it, it the last two generations have been very much here's the hit and you've got it. There's the launch, and then we'll release a little bit of D DLC and a little bit more DLC, and then you've only got the raids really and shiny hunting if you're into that to keep you coming back for more. And I feel like Pokemon would would surely the Pokemon company would benefit from. Let's just keep them coming back to this game over and over and over again. What the problem is, though, is is cash flow the issue at Game Freak? For Game Freak, I think it, um, um, because that's that's the only reason. It's the only reason you should implement a season pass is to be like, hey, we're gonna now pay developers to keep working on this game to keep making it better. And that's yeah. what you're paying for, is the round clock make this game better for the next three years. Do you think cash flow is the problem at Game Freak, though? I it, okay. The Pokemon Company has enough money. It has enough money, okay. But we know that the games that Game Freak make. That's the that's the money they get, isn't it? For okay, we sold X amount of units. That's the money we've got to reinvest. I don't think there is much movement between the Pokemon Company down to Game Freak and vice versa. My argument would be okay with more money coming in, they can then hire more developers, which would then release some of the pressure that they obviously have. That works, I think, in a a a gaming model like Fortnite where you don't have a new game coming out every three years on a release cycle. So, so while I think it could be, could be implemented at Game Freak, I just don't think its current working model supports it yeah. because, because most of the people that are probably involved in the DLC are already working on whatever remake there is, whatever Gen 10 is, what whatever's coming out next. So, therefore, the DLC just needs to be a put what you can in, get it launched, move on to the next thing, and it'll be the same for the next piece of DLC, the next game of do what you can in the time limit you have, push it out, and it'll probably still, still sell. Of course it will. Which is, is such a... Like, and, and I've, I've seen... People talk about, well, why didn't they do the Call of Duty model where they have, I think, three teams that rotate. So you as a person get a new game every year, but the game that is released this year, you're the team that's worked on that, you're not going to get a game from that team for another three years. So I don't get why they don't do something similar. You almost have a remake team, a core team, and then a, a side-called side team. And then you can have staff move between them, depending on skill set and what they want to develop and, and things like that. So there is an idea in game development, I think it was at a developer's conference a couple of years ago, that somebody suggested that you should never over-deliver. Don't, don't give your audiences too much. Don't let them think that lots is possible, because then you're going to have to hit that every single time. If you under deliver you can maintain profit margins because people are stupid and people will buy games regardless so you don't have to put all everything into it because they'll buy it anyway yeah. 
I think Game Freak very much take that model. I think we saw a little bit of this with Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl when the... uh, Not the prototype paper, but the artwork. Yes. What's the word I'm looking for here? Concept art. Yes. It very much looked like they were trying to build a completely different game. And this is all speculative, obviously, but it does appear that they were pulled back and told, no, 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 no. You do not get to make that game. And again, that Digital Gaming uh, episode that I was talking about earlier that brought up the fact that, you know, uh, Heart, Gold, and Soul Silver was built on about 12 people. I believe that's that's, that's the quote I remember. I haven't got it in front of me, unfortunately. Um, they were talking about a game that was made for uh, Pokemon the Movie 2000. And it was a 3D game with 2D sprites. Think, think Doom. So you walked around mm. and you saw the Pokemon in in the world and you got to interact with them and you solved puddle, pu- puzzles. You solved puzzles. And it had a million downloads and Pokemon turned around and went, no. No, too good. Get rid. Too good. Get rid. It's going to hurt our image. We don't like it. And they they pulled it. So it's not unreasonable for Pokemon, for Game Freak, to say, no, I don't want other companies touching it because then we'll have to work harder. I think that's, I think that's a very valid criticism of, of Game Freak, of you... I think you, if you go in with low expectations, I don't think you'd be disappointed with any Pokemon game. I think part of my frustration and i'm sure it's part of your frustration as well as you see what could be like one of one of not just the best selling franchises but one of the most critically acclaimed and i've i've said this before like when it comes to rpg mechanics game freak is always playing like catch up why why are they not the leaders of Feature catching are RPG games of leading the way of making these worlds feel lived in and magical, and they they don't. And I think part of my frustration is the fact that the trailers always like it is typical of Game Freak. They overpromise and underdeliver. And I don't think I'd be as frustrated if they didn't overpromise yeah, in their trailers. Okay. If they were just like, yeah, this is what you get, you know, I'd be like, oh, okay, right. Well, I know what it is. Therefore, I'm going to wait till it comes down in price to a value that I think is is acceptable for what I'm going to get. But you don't get that. What you get is a trailer that sells you on something that isn't in the game. And we've spoken about that in both both the main game review and the DLC of the trailers are very good at hiding the limitations and showing things that aren't there. And I think the, the difficulty is that we'd love this franchise. Mm. And it may not sound like it, but as somebody who's also a bit of a Sonic fan, and we'll turn around and say all Sonic fans hate Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's it's and it's because it's a case of like I love it so much that I know you can do good things with it. So when you don't, 
it hurts that much more. Mm. Yeah. When I when I play other games and see what what is possible, what other studios are capable of producing, and then you look back at a franchise that's nearly had 30 years of my life and I've been a fanboy since day dot and it just keeps hurting me. <laughs> feels like being in a bit of an abusive relationship yeah and it hurts because i love it uh, yes yeah it, it's just to just to kind of like wrap up this discussion point uh, i i think like game freak could and should be doing better but there are there are reasons they're not doing it because like a company of this potential caliber should be making home runs every game release they like and i don't know if again i don't think i think that 99 of the employees at game freak are probably frustrated because they don't have the resource whether or not that's time technology uh, the people I, I i don't know but i've got a feeling that Open management are just like, yeah, get it, get it out, hit those deadlines, keep that machine, you know, printing money. And, and it, it, is yeah. is a part of that a case of upper management being from an era where it's like, no, we made one of the best Pokemon games ever, and there was a dozen of us. Get on with it. True. Potentially, yeah. You've you've got more money than we ever had. You've got more stuff than we ever had. You've got better platforms to deliver this on in easier ways. Quit your belly aching. But yeah, if you can't produce something under that circumstances, that's on you, surely. Yeah, but, it's... but the reality of that situation is that's just not how it works. You can't build a game of AAA standard on 170 people. You just no. can't. No. You can make a really cool indie game. And I think it brings us nicely onto our Devil's Advocate section. If you want to use an indie team size, Make indie games. Go back to 2D games. <laughs> yeah. We, we, yeah, it does nicely bring us on to the, the Devil's Advocate that the next Pokemon game should be 2D. For those of you that haven't listened to the Devil's Advocate section, basically we, we pick an area that is very grey and murky, but we basically one of us debates one side, one of us debates the other side. Uh to, to to decide who's right and who's wrong. This week we're debating whether or not the next Pokemon game should be in, in 2D. I'm going to be arguing that it should be in 2D. Connor is going to be arguing that it should not be in 2D. By 2D, are we do are we agreeing it's so like pixel I will, art? I will allow it to be pixel art rather than a pixel game. So by which I will allow sort of 2.5D okay. to be part of your argument rather than take it from myself. As much okay. as I'd love to. Okay, I think I'm I'm going to approach this. I I think just to make it as easy to follow as possible that it, I'm I'm gravitating more towards the sprite graphics that we had of the Game Boy Advance DS uh, era. Okay, see, yeah. I'm trying to offer you Octonauts here. 
You're trying to what, sorry? I'm trying to offer you Octonaut style, which you've argued again and again is what you want for Pokemon. So we're counting that as 2.5D, yeah? I, I okay. would say that's 2.5D. Okay, right. okay. That, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Yeah, okay, fine. Let, let, let's do that. So I'll, I'll start this argument, I, I think, mainly because we both made the point that it would be good to go back to this. So I, I feel like I have the easiest starting point, but as we've always seen, just because you've got that easier starting point doesn't mean you get a you get to win this argument. So the re so I'm going to argue that it should return to 2D, um, and the reason being is that 2D from a I'm going to argue this from a technical point of view, it requires less stuff. It requires less resource. It requires less effort. Pokemon and Game Freaks development team have proven time and time again that they can develop great looking. 2D sprite games. We look at Black and White and Black and White 2, and the animation of the sprites and the fact that, unlike the current 3D models where they just stand there and just do, oh, look, I'm a polywheel just doing this, the 2D sprites have a lot of life and a lot of, um, a lot of movement and vibrance and emotion connected with them because they feel so alive and they can produce a better quality game with less input. So it's a lovely idea that we, because I agree with you, Gen 5 sprites and things, they looked amazing. We've seen what people can do now with sprite art on their own. People can do, build entire Pokedexes of sprite art. Um, they'll take 3D models, they'll animate them. All looks great. Still a step backwards though. Pokemon, if you look at its earliest games, the 2D sprites were not great. Talking like red and green, they weren't good. Oh, yes. They were but ugly. By, but by Generation 5, they looked phenomenal. Phenomenal. I really can't word today. It's hard. Their break into 3D came so much later than every other franchise. Again, Sonic fan. Sonic's break into 3D was... It was okay. It wasn't great. You look at Mario's break into 3D. It was okay. It wasn't great. A lot of these games had to break into 3D. Now, Pokemon had relatively smooth break into 3D. X and Y looked pretty good, actually. Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire holds up. The Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee looks great. Agreed. And we've now seen with Scarlet and Violet, the textures on these models can really make them feel so alive. They've, look they've never looked better what's missing is the animation what's missing is the little spark that brings the pokemon to life and you could go back to sprite artwork and go back to saying okay it lifting its leg and opening its jaw is enough for me or we could hope that the next games really start animating these pokemon and really make them feel alive when they're in battle when they're in the wild I'm not going to lie, seeing Graveler rolling around in Legends Arceus was really freaking cool. Watching Sfeel roll down a hill was really freaking cool. And you're not going to get that experience in 2D. Being able to see Pokemon from all angles, I think, makes them more tangible. So I don't think this, the next step is to go backwards. It's to go forwards take what we already have and animate it to feel more alive. I mean, 
Game Freak are stepping backwards. I don't know if you've seen some of the graphics, but they already look pixelated in the latest <laughs> release. So they are going backwards. But but I don't necessarily see it as a step backwards. I see it as an evolution and a return to form. I can imagine the trailer now. And it doesn't even have to be... I While I agree that maybe the mainline game should stay 3D, I can, I can argue that point. I feel like not all Pokemon games need to be 3D. I, be I believe there is a, a set of fans that would love to see 2D. And I can see the trailer for it now just in my head just envisioning it like return to how it all started you know you know playing on people's nostalgia and you show you know red walking along and then gold walking along and then it's like a new a new a new 2d game for a new era and you take all the lessons that you've learned from the 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 new pokemon games and you implement it into 2d so it's not stepping backwards it's an evolution of the 2d games that we had so all the 2d games didn't have any had very few overworld pokemon when you did have them they were statics or they were just like you could talk to them this uh, this allows you to see the 2d pokemon like roaming around in the in the patches of grass it allows you to have ride pokemon so you know instead of using fly and you and you come back down you literally zoom out of this this sprite map and you can see all the little sprites bouncing around and you can fly over it and i i don't feel like i don't feel like stepping backwards in 22d means that we have to sacrifice some of the quality what we have is a new way to show these pokemon new pokemon so what we've what we don't do is just go, okay, we go back to Generation 5 and we only have Mons from Gen 1 to Gen 5. No, we look at the Gen 6, 7, 8, and 9 Pokemon that never had sprites and we go, okay, let's show these new Pokemon in a new way. We've seen them as 3D models, but how do they now look as sprites? Yes, you've kind of got sprites in Pokemon Home, but they're not pixelated sprites. I'm talking about true square boxes and you animate a lot of the new Pokemon to show them in a brand new format going to 2d isn't a step backwards it's a way to acknowledge the improvements that have been made by jumping to 3d but bringing those improvements to where it started i think your problem is is the amount of audience you're going to receive from it so do you know what the um highest grossing animated film of all time is uh no it's the lion king the remake. <laughs> no, no, go away. <laughs> it's, it's the Lion no. King remake. Okay. No. And the reason it made that much money is, yeah, it played on our nostalgia, but it was also the newer audiences going to watch it because kids won't, they won't, they won't stand for it these days. They won't, they won't go for pixels. They won't go for hand-drawn. Everything needs to be in 3D because that's the world they live in. That's the world we are in now. And I think you'll have a hard time selling a pixel Pokemon game to the masses in today's day and age. Yeah, me and you will buy it. I'll, I'll even be excited about it. I won't sugarcoat it. But I don't think it'll have the same appeal as mainline Pokemon games. And at that point, is it not just wasted resources? when we could be using those same developers who you're going to have in to 
build this game anyway, make the 3D better. So you're absolutely right. We're going to struggle with mass appeal, and mass adoption, because it's on the Switch. Just by being on the Switch, you're limiting the amount of people that have access to that console and therefore have access to that game. So we don't release the next Pokemon game, the next 2D Pokemon game on the Switch. We release it on mobile. Mobile transcends consoles. It allows everyone has a mobile phone. Suddenly you've got that mass adoption. And who doesn't love po Pokemon on a mobile phone? Just look at Pokemon Go. It got people back into Pokemon that had neglected it, had forgotten about it, had moved on. People who thought Pokemon was, you know, it was for kids. Suddenly as an adult, I've got this game with Pokemon and I'm out and about catching these creatures. People, the mass audience, the people that, you know, wouldn't touch a mainline Pokemon game would touch it if it was on mobile and it played into their nostalgia. And suddenly on a, on a mobile game, 2D isn't seen as a as a negative. A lot of games on on you know the app store that you see now are 2D because they are easy to create into compared to a 3D game. They are a lot of the time accessible. 3D you have the issues of okay, I've got to rotate a, a camera, I've got to move a person on top of several buttons on either side. And mobile keeps it really simple. So literally all you need to do at that point is literally A and B. Up, down, left, and right, and a start and start and plus. So where's your microtransactions? For the mic oh, I'm glad you you brought me onto this. So so if we are implementing microtransactions, I would argue that you you have a, a, a I'm trying to think of is it a game a game by life service or a live game service? I can't remember the name of it. Where you start off with something small and you constantly build and develop and adapt to it. So literally, you start it and go, you're in Canto. Fantastic. Oh right, you you want to do Johto? That's an extra. That's an extra couple of quid. Oh, you want to you want to do Kalos next? That's a couple of quid. Oh, you you don't want to you know worry about battling trainers to get money? Well, buying game currency. Okay, right. You started the game and you don't want those Pokemon to run away. Oh well, if you want, you can buy this pack with loads of Ultra Balls, and you can see this happening. You know that gaming companies do this. They're absolute nightmares. For it. Oh, right. And I'm not advocating this, by the way. I'm just no, saying. No, no, no. This is you saying. This is the direction that Pokemon <laughs> should go. They should put it on mobile. They should take so, it back to 2D, if, put it on mobile, and introduce <laughs> microtransactions. Carry on digging that hole, boy. Go okay, on. Sure. You know what? I'm going to you know, go full in on this now. <laughs> you know what most mobile games do? They do a cooldown of, oh, well, you've used up all your energy, and therefore you can't play for another 24 hours unless you invest money into it, unless you pay for those gems, those coins, whatever it is. You want to heal at a Pokemon Center? It's one per day. If you want to heal more, you're going to have to pay up. Suddenly, Game Freak have got a shed load of money coming in from this game because people, both new and old, are going to love this game and they're going to play it. And I think that's my closing argument. He wants to put microtransactions in Pokemon. <laughs> I, I just want 3D animations to be better. Who do you think <laughs> won? <laughs> <laughs> love it. I, I I think we're both in agreement that we would both love a 2D, a 2D Oh yeah, game, absolutely. But none of the trans microtransactions, please. <laughs> no, none of the above. And and I have played I have played um some of the older Pokemon games on my mobile. And they yeah, no, it works perfectly. Really I think yeah. it's a valid way to do it. Um, I the reason I brought up the microtransactions is because I don't think you could sell 
a mobile game to investors that didn't have microtransactions. Agreed. I think it'd be very difficult. It's been done, but they are so rare nowadays. Like- I could see I could see you getting I would even pay full price for it. Uh, but when I say full price, hmm, that's the other thing as well. Would you pay thirty pounds or would you pay fifty? Because if it's not two- on a mobile, uh, I'm talking about whether they released it on Switch, whether they released it on okay. mobile, whatever. So instead of doing microtransactions, you do a one-off payment. Okay. Would you pay thirty pound or fifty pound for a brand new Pokemon game, a full story, full full game, but it was in two D rather than three D? Yeah, I. I, I- I would happily pay 30, but I'm not going to lie. Having a, a sprite-based game, it almost limits how far you can push that that monetary value because people. I think some people see it as, oh, this is cheap compared to a 3D game. Why mm-hmm. should I therefore pay? And it's the same price? issue of animation is yeah. for children. And I, it's, that's one of the problems because I don't think that much less work really would go into a 2D game than would a 3D game. Considering now that they've got a lot of the Pokemon models all set up and things like that. And most of that's done outside a house anyway. So, sure, you don't have to rig all the character models and do all the human animations. Mm-hmm. But it's, there is obviously less work in a, in a sprite-based game. But I don't think the value of losing £20 or $30 per download is worth it especially if you're already taking a cut to the amount of people who would pick it up yeah i think that yeah i I think the issue of a 2d game is if you release it on the switch you've already got that you've got less people that can that can buy it sorry less people can buy because they haven't got the console but also there's a limit of how much money you can charge for people before people think ah it's not it's not worth that much and on the flip side, if you wanted to do it on mobile, where I think you can get more people, more people have access to it, and more people are acceptable of, of 2D games, there's no like the majority of people would go to the App Store and go, "Wait, all these other games are either free on Apple Arcade that I pay for a small amount each month, or they're usually like sixty nine pence to one ninety nine, and then there's suddenly Pokemon that's like thirty pound because you don't want the microtransactions." People aren't going to buy it. So the alternative is it's a free Pokemon game with a shed load of microtransactions, which, you know, I'm, 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 I'm fully open that most free games that I play on, on mobile outside of maybe an initial lump sum at the start of a couple of quid, I don't pay anything. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those freeloaders. So they're going to get like, so it means that it puts that burden on other people, the whales that are just going to go, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep, putting money into this game i think that that hurts the game unfortunately because it it has all those predatory practices that i just do not agree with yeah i mean bringing it back to octopath traveler it was originally like sold for 50 pound that was its original price tag right but it is it is already on sale for 37.49 which is still a good value. I, I feel I, sorry. I, I feel like it's still a good value for them, like selling a game at that. The game's price. not out yet. Wait, what? 
Octopath Traveler 2, this is. Oh, it's 2. Right. I thought you were on about the first one then. No, What's no, no. The f- the, the, oh. the 2 is not even out yet, and it's already on sale. Oh, right. That doesn't bode well then, does it? 2D games? I Yeah. And I think that's because... I think they've done that in a certain way to be like, hey, this is a £50 worth of game. It, yeah. it, it is worth that. Yeah. But we know you'll never pay that, so we'll, we'll do it for around 35 a clever, uh, clever tactic. Connor, sorry to break the fourth wall, but uh, I need to shoot off in a second. You're all good, so, mate. So no guessing game this week. No guessing game this week. Have you got anything that you want to plug, though? Uh, so I have written a script. There is a video coming out very soon about the Loyal Three, where they come from, um, how they come back to life, what they represent for the village, why they steal the masks they do, um, what they wanted the masks for in the first place answers a lot of questions that i had wow it's good to see that you're coming back to youtube if you're listening to this podcast and you're not subscribed captain fiji links are down below go ahead and do it for plenty of theory videos and in-depth analysis is that about fair yes also i completely lied octopath traveler came out on the 24th of february i don't know why i said it's because you can download demos anyway carry on people <laughs> somebody somebody's gonna be really mad at me because i said it was on sale and it's not out yet it's, it is out i lied there we go we, we we if we make mistakes we 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 correct ourselves on this podcast and if you've got comments or questions you can reach us by leaving a comment on our podcast on youtube by emailing godmarpod at gmail.com by leaving it on our discord channel by using the hashtag godmarpod on twitter connor where can we find you you can find me on my youtube channel at captain fidget or on twitter at cap fidget I'm Ben. You can find me as Professor Hoeing on Gaming on YouTube and Professor Hoeing on Twitter. That's the show for this week. If you've gotten this far, you're just a top dollar, aren't you? We'll be back next Friday for another week of Pokemon podcast content. See ya!